Sama Dudes. It is Monday, and you know what that means. It's another episode of Big Stick Energy coming at you on the Out of Collective podcast platform. My name is Tori Anderson. Um, today, I am with my co-host, Renee McCurdy. We are two of the five co-founders of the Womb Tang brand, and we're super stoked to be part of the Out of Collective family. Um, today's episode is... Okay, we always say like we have a new one that is our favorite episode we've ever done. But realistically, we keep getting like really sick guests, which means the standard just keeps upping. But Blake is probably one of my favorite guests that we have ever had on the podcast. Um, today, we're talking all about freeride biking. The women's freeride scene has been absolutely going off over the last couple of years. Blake Hansen is an up and coming professional mountain biker and just a certified all around great human being. Um, we talked about formation, Red Bull's first women's only non-binary tra non trans inclusive freeride biking event. Um, also the significance of it to the sport, what this means for like progression and safe spaces for progression for underrepresented groups in adrenaline sports and biking. So AKA not just like white dudes. Um, and we also got into a deep discussion about trans athlete inclusion in sport and some of the misunderstandings that come along with it. And like completely by accident, Renee and I actually scheduled all um, LGBTQ people to come on the podcast this month, which was just like coincidentally serendipitous, which was so rad. But there's a lot of people that I talk to who are like, I support trans people, but I don't think they should be included in sport competition. And you can't just preface with I support trans people and then say that statement that doesn't neglect that that statement is still transphobic. And it's also rooted in confirmation bias and misinformation. So today with Blake, we unpack that, um, her experience as a trans woman in this space, and we start to like myth bust some of those things. So if you've ever had that perspective and you wanna learn how to elevate to actually support trans people and help to deconstruct this bias towards trans people in sport, this is the episode for you. This episode was so banging. We literally had to like pull the microphones away from us to make a stop. So we'll probably have to have her back for a, a round two. Um, before we drop into the episode today, I just want to invite you to leave a review if you feel so inclined, whatever platform you're on, tell us a dad joke, whatever. We love reading them. If you don't like us, man, tell us that too. Tell us why. Criticism is valuable. It helps us kind of grow and do this better. Um, but yeah, leave us a review if you feel inclined and we're just going to pop through a couple of ads quickly because that helps us pay the bills so we can keep delivering and growing. So yeah, thanks everybody. We have a couple of sponsors for today's show and both of them are going to be your friend when it comes to adventuring in the backcountry this summer. First one, Onyx. I know we have talked about this app when looking at backcountry skiing because it's really helpful with your route planning, navigation, etc. in the wintertime, but they also have function for summer with um, hiking and trail running. So you can search up the trails, you can look at elevation profile, distance, pros and cons, any shared photos, see kind of how hard the trail might be, how long it might take you. And there's nothing worse than not being prepared or getting lost and scared and alone in the wilderness. So Onyx, it's a map in your pocket. It has your back. And speaking of 
being prepared in the backcountry, we have another sponsor that's going to help you out with that. Darn Tough Vermont. They call it Darn Tough because they are tough. These socks are built to last. Merino wool, so merino wicks better than cotton. Last thing you need when you're out there on your big hiking day with Onyx is to have sweaty, slimy, sloshy, you're welcome for the visual, stinky feet, because that's how you're gonna get blisters too. And nobody wants any of the above, which is why having socks for any activity made from Merino is great. So check them out. Darn Tough Vermont. They give back money to trail networks, which is freaking sick. How long does a beer need to be in the freezer before it is cold? I don't um, know, but I just started mine. 30 did you? to 69 minutes. 69. Yeah. 69. My name is Blake Hansen. I ride mountain bikes. Um, been doing it for a while. Been doing it more, I guess, in a public way for like a year and a half. So I'm kind of new here. That's what I do. Do I need to do more? No. We'll get <laughs> into it. That's like the Spark Notes version, but <laughs> short that's and sweet. like short Maybe we can hit it again. If you do, you think I should I should share more? If you want to, it's like it's if whatever you think you want to share with everybody to kind of like give them more background on who you are, just a, an idea like to attach the story to, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or like yeah. what we talk about today. It's however much you're comfortable sharing. Honestly, we have some people that go into like monologues for ten minutes, like this one person that was talking about their cat, or we have people that are like spark notes. So, okay, let's try something in between and let's just fully start over. <laughs> Tally ho, let's go. Okay. <laughs> Sick. Um, I guess we can just like, we can just cut it because I think that intro part was good. And then I was like, tell us who you are. So we'll just cut okay. it. And so, yeah, we'll get into it again. But Blake, tell us who you are. <laughs> the ABCs, what you're doing here today. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Blake Hansen. I ride mountain bikes. I've been doing it for like five years now. Um, first few were racing enduro, just kind of on my own, just figuring it out. Um, and then people started paying attention. I started speaking up on the internet about stuff I cared about and um, got people's attention. So now we're here and doing more free ride things thanks to a handful of really cool people who said we would love it if you came and tried this so bit of a free rider bit of a everything girl just figuring it out as i go and having fun and blasting people on the internet sometimes love that that <laughs> statement just like blasting people on the internet and that's how people that's like why Renee and I are here as well we were both just <laughs> internet humans and then it evolved into having a podcast which is so funny <laughs> I know I do love that about you guys it's the best I, I exist to stir the pot online in angry ski boys comment sections aka Tanner Hall how's it going so bad <laughs> 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 sorry call out 
you know, <laughs> yeah, you know you've made it when ski boys who are angry that you called out their favorite pro skier who's low key trash are taking screenshots of your profile on Instagram to share it in new schoolers discussion boards. Ooh, I know. Yeah. That's like that's like a badge of honor. It's like five stars on Yelp. It's like I've that's exceeded kind of above and beyond. Yeah, every single most- time. I want to downvoted. Oh my gosh, sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, it's okay. You go. One of the most downvoted new schoolers accounts in new schoolers history. So I think that means I have made it. Do you Correct. guys think that we're that that skiers are more gnarly than mean mountain bikers? Because it's kind of seeming like that. Yeah. I don't ski, but it sounds like that's rough. Yes. I think so. I, I think mountain biking is, but it's just a little bit more under the radar about it, to be honest. Yeah. I'm like on the edge of mountain bike culture, so I don't know if I have a full perspective. I like maintain my spot at the back of the pack. So, but I'm like faster on the downhill, but I can't say that like I'm involved enough to really assess the culture. So maybe that's something we could dive into. Let's do like oh a cross analysis. Also, yeah. Also, um, when you said you like spoke up on the internet about things, what were those things? Yeah. So, um, I don't know, for a few years I was racing enduro and just kind of hanging out, having fun, riding bikes. And, um, but no one like knew a lot about me, just kind of like this little person in the corner funding myself to get to the races. And then I started doing a lot better as I like learned how to do better. Um, but like it's it started to feel weird to me. So I'm trans and super gay. <laughs> I'm kind of probably like LGBTQ plus. Yeah, I'm all of those things probably. I'm like all of them. So yeah, it was just I got to this point in my like little writing journey that I like started to feel weird that like no one knew that about me. They just like were like, oh hey Blake, it's just you're here we're all here but like no one knew me I wasn't sponsored no one like knew anything about me so I just kind of started to like talk about it and then the big thing that happened was all of this legislation started to come out against trans people here in the states um and I just started to get super upset about it as you would and so I started talking about it and then I was like well I guess it's time to like tell people this dimension of my identity because I've been racing for three years and making friends and, but not like close enough friends to like know everything about each other. So like, it never really just like kind of never came up and it doesn't necessarily need to come up at a certain point in time. It felt like it needed to come up on my end. And so I brought it up because of all the crazy stuff that's happening. And then um, I guess a friend of a friend was like, Hey, do you want to, like, I think you have a really good perspective on this kind of stuff. Do you want to write something for the newspaper? I got, I know the editor, you should just write in. And I, I have a degree in journalism. So I was like, never used it. Let's do this. So I just wrote this op-ed and submitted it into the Salt Lake Tribune. And it kind of blew up. And then everyone started looking my direction like, whoa, you exist. We want to talk to you. And then I kind of like learned my voice at that point in time. Started talking more, started blowing people up a little more. (laughs) It's been great. Sick. Yeah. 
what like um I think that I actually like had this conversation at work the other day and it was about finding like your voice on social media or like your confidence on social media and how a lot of people are not comfortable being super like open and honest and like expressing those facets of their identity that people don't usually know but it's like a trend right now that flossom that's what came up with my research about content strategy it's like flossom authentic content like um since you were existing in the enduro space without talking about being trans as part of your identity and your experience was it weird or like hard for you to kind of breach that boundary um yeah i actually would say that it was super hard and it still is sometimes like even in the beginning of this podcast I'm like so I'm trans I still haven't figured out a really good way to like announce that though like pretty pretty sure everyone knows at this point but um it's always hard like I don't I'm not like the most the most bestest with words so finding like good strategic ways to like bring things into perspective has always been a bit of a struggle for me, even though I'm good at writing, but writing is different because you have time to like craft that. So doing it live, like right in front of people's faces or like on the internet, it's harder. Um, so I don't know, does that answer that question kind of? Yeah, I think so. I also think that like, I mean, a really common thing that you see in like hyper masculine spaces, which is pretty much just the patriarchy and colonialism because they're like BFFs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like you see that people don't really understand the other side of the fence, if that makes sense. Um, like somebody who is white, masculine, like male presenting, heteronormative cis, all that kind of jazz, like they're not going to experience what it's like to be othered in, an indus in this industry because they don't, they've never experienced it. They're the one with privilege. And a cornerstone of privilege is not recognizing that you have privilege or that there is an equity in a way. And I think right. um, like, and guys that come into this space and they're like, why, like, what was that comment that was left on Blake's video? Or not Blake, Hank, Hank, <laughs> Hank and Blake. <laughs> oh God, sorry. I read your plank and I was like, that's so much rhyme. <laughs> People call me plank sometimes. That's why that's there. Okay. You guys can call me that if you want. I'm into it. Um, but Renee, what was the comment that was left on Hank's video? Oh, it was just like, what does skiing have to do with being gay? Was the comment. These cis heteronormative goddamn white boys don't know what it's like to not be a privileged butthole in this industry and why different facets of people's identities matter. <laughs> Happy Pride Month to you too, motherfucker. <laughs> I guess where I'm trying to go with that is I think it would be great to help those people if they're listening to this and if you're comfortable, like understand why it's hard, why it might not feel like a safe space to get those words out and to find the right words. Because it's hard to wrap up an entire experience, an entire facet of your identity into a short statement to share with somebody and for them to totally understand what that means. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think this relates to what you were talking about, how privilege a center or a cornerstone of privilege is that you don't realize that you have it and that and from your perspective there is no obstacle to what you're trying to do or what you're getting because that's your experience so it's definitely going to be a lot harder for people with privilege whatever levels of privilege that they might have to not see how these things relate but 
I think it's important for those people to listen to people like us because we're here to tell you how they relate. And the way that they relate is that we're here too. And that all we ever see is you guys. And how am I supposed to know that I'm allowed to be here or that I'm welcomed here or that I can have a future here if all I ever see is not me? So they relate for that reason. And we talk about it for that reason because there is someone else like us who's watching us, who's saying, let them talk about this thing that I relate to. And for that reason, I feel like I have a place here. At least I have a place at that podcast or maybe even in the industry, you know, whatever industry that might be. You guys ski. I don't ski, but same thing. So (laughs) there's sister categories. (laughs) There's sister categories. And so is snowboarding. We could talk about snowboarding because it's my love. Sick. Well, those are like bff skiing snowboarding they weren't always i mean there's quite a bit of animosity in ski culture but (laughs) which is funny is like i link them together as the same culture in a lot of ways and i know they are different and whatever that's a different conversation but i think to like basically what you're saying is representation is important yeah and we could take that in so many directions whether that's just talking about events like formation and how that makes a difference to like how representation also impacts progression, which I think also comes back to events like formation in a lot of ways and the women's free ride movement that's happening. Yeah. It, yeah, it's great. I don't even know if that's a question. It's just a statement, but. Yeah. All these things are just (laughs) interconnected. There's a lot of intersectionality going on here, but I think let's talk about formation because I think that there's a lot of ways that we could branch off of that event into topics and stuff that like are relevant to what we're trying to talk about here mm-hmm. um you know compared to and this is a lot there's a lot of talk about this right now um going on but like compared to rampage they've been doing that for 20 years now and the women just haven't really had that exposure they haven't had well like the exposure in terms of like engagement with the terrain we haven't been doing that Well, I'll even say they haven't been doing that because I'm super new here. So like Casey, Casey Brown, um, Katie Holden, all the other women that are doing those things. Those are just two names I'm thinking of because they were just at formation with me. Um, You know, they've been around for a minute and they've been engaging in the terrain and helping the boys build rampage features for years. Um, but outside of them, like the rest of us haven't been doing that. Like we haven't had the exposure to the industry. We haven't had the support to be able to go do that stuff, nor do we even like know half of those people, period. So like having something like formation that's going to bring us together and give us that exposure to each other, to the terrain, to media, like all of those things combined to give us opportunity that we didn't previously have. And, you know, I think if you're doing that the right way, you're doing it multifaceted. So you're bringing in all kinds of people with different backgrounds to go take their experiences from formation and bring them back to their separate communities and hopefully continue to like create this wave that's going to keep going farther and farther. And I think that's what Katie Holden has been trying to do since the beginning. And I think it's working because here we are talking about it and there's a lot of talk about it right now. So. It's obviously important. It obviously matters. It's creating careers. You guys are talking to me right now. And I pretty comfortable saying that that's happened because 
Katie Holden invited me to formation last year. Before that, I was just kind of like paying my own way to go race for fun. And now, you know, it's like all I'm doing. I don't have to work. Yeah. So it's kind of sick. I would say like shout out to Alex Showerman for putting you on my radar because <laughs> I think nice. she's the first Alex. person that was like, here's another really cool human that you should follow. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> and that started me following you on Instagram. And here we are. Big up, but, Alex. Thanks. Yeah. Speaking of Alex, one I remember one thing that Alex said to me about formation was looking back at Rampage 20 years ago and the level of the riding of Rampage 20 years ago. If you parallel that with now like women actually having access to the zones, to the resources to build, to the media, et cetera, like funding all of that to be able to get these riders there and get these courses built and then show them to folks. And I think it's also, oh my gosh, I have so many ideas. Important to note that it's not a competition aspect because that becomes important just when you're looking at like men versus women progression sometimes and how competition can affect that so it I think it just does really help for growth in a completely different way not that mm -hmm. competition is always bad anyway my point being rampage 20 years ago the guys were not nearly as good as they are now but they have had these opportunities to keep going back and keep riding there and have resources to improve that now rampage is now something completely different so formation 20 years from now could be buck fucking wild no it will be and i have some cool perspective on this too having just come out of formation 22 um like i i do remember that that discussion that you guys had with alex um and it's a discussion we've all had with each other like so many freaking times um about how like the first men's rampage even the first few were like nothing like they are now a lot like kind of the women's uh, maybe like the first, actually not even the first women's formation, women's formation, formation, um, because the first formation was on the 2015 Rampage site, which is a lot different of a venue than the OG site. Um, so I do kind of feel like actually formation started at an elevated place from Rampage. And I think timing and bikes and all that stuff has a lot to do with that. But Here's my perspective that I think is super sick. Compared to the first and even the second formation, I was at the second formation too. Um, and we were mind blown at the second, how much of a progression curve had like increased since the first with what some of the girls were doing. Um, and I honestly didn't think that I could like, I remember last year telling someone on the Red Bull media team that like the, the curve of the progression isn't going from one to two to three to four right now, it's going from one to two to four to eight. It's just like amortizing. We're talking finance now. Um, and, I, and I came into this year not thinking that it could just like honestly keep that pace. I was like, this, this shit's gotta slow down somewhere. Someone's gonna get messed up. But we came out of it with only one minor injury and Vaya is slaying right now. She's gonna be back before we even know it. Um, and dude that progression curve did continue and those chicks were hitting stuff that was 100 rampage lines not like a rampage feature in the line but we're talking rampage lines from the very top of the course to some shit that i was like there's no way 
that I, I kept this to myself. I'll say this, but I was like, there's no way that no one's going to the hospital. <laughs> Staring at this stuff and building it, I'm like, I cannot fathom how someone's not about to get seriously injured. And I'm looking around like, I'm not going to say anything. There's no way I'm saying something, but like, I'm just going to wait for someone else to say something so then we can have a quick safety check on some stuff. But no, all of them killed it. They made it down the stuff that I was concerned about with no hiccups. One time, I think Hannah's foot came off the pedal and I was like, oh God, but she, she killed it. It was like NVD for her. So it just keeps going. And at this point, we're like, I don't even know, 2007 rampage level. We're already like halfway through. Yeah. So love it's it. Pretty wild. And then even from a media perspective and like representation standpoint, for myself, I remember saying to my I worked at a bike shop for like three years. And a couple of years ago, I was talking to my boss about formation, dark horse, like blue steel, all these events that have popped up. And <clears throat> I said to him, like, wow, I actually like never had any inclination to watch mountain biking. I always growing up watching hockey. I watch free ride world tour religiously mm -hmm. all of the stops, but even though I mountain bike and I love it and I'm motivated to improve, I never had any inclination to actually watch mountain biking, but formation was probably the first thing that changed that for me where I was nice. like, Whoa, this is sick. Well, that's and just like super sick to hear too, from an outside perspective that like there's value there. Mm -hmm. and that it's bringing more people from the outskirts of the industry, not even the industry, but like the community, let's say, and turning their heads and being like, wow, this is actually sick. There's something cool here that we're hyped about and that companies should be investing in because, and they are, they are. But this is evidence right here. Renee saying that now she's hyped to watch this. Yeah, totally. And She's even DH riding. Yeah, even DH riding, like I, n I never had any interest before. I was like, oh, they just race the same track over and over. Like, how could this be interesting? Whatever. But the women's game is getting so tight on the DH circuit. That's actually like, I I'm starting to get into it. Like, <laughs> still It's so fun to watch, especially in like, the enduro. But if you can get into <laughs> mountain biking enough to know how much skill and risk is involved like pretty much at all times like you can get into watching mountain biking men's or women's because knowing having that perspective and then watching world cup and watching like split times and then analyzing some features that are like maybe to the layman because all these people are so good at riding bikes like some of that stuff at fort william is like nbd because they make it look nbd but that's like some gnarly stuff and the speeds you're carrying are insane and just having some perspective gives that that level of interest so a hundred percent I can say as somebody that's like like I had one summer of mountain biking in Fernie seven oh my god that's seven years ago I'm so old um seven years ago and then did back-to-back -back winters and then like last summer was my first summer mountain biking since then um, and I had a concussion. So I only started at like the end of like July or something like that. So it was not a lot, 
and getting into it with people that are super freaking gnarly and are like ex-ski racers that have zero chill and just go uphill so freaking fast and downhill fast. And like the number of things that you can impale yourself on, trees don't move. <laughs> it's like you're going through a tight section and your bars are going to like hit something. It's just like, it is freaking bananas. But when you get into the flow of it and you trust your bike and like you learn some of those like, like dropping your hip when you're going around a corner and like how to drive it underneath you and like absorb. And it's just like, it's so fucking cool. And you're right. It is so intense. Like it is so much less forgiving than snow. Oh yeah. I can yeah. vouch for that. Freaking violent, but really cool fact actually. Cause I did a ton of research on like younger generations interest in sports. Cause we're kind of losing them. Like they don't care like their parents did, if that makes sense, but they have sure. a huge interest in mountain biking and like extreme sports, which is sick. And they're also one of the most like progressive generations that we've had because they're global citizens and they consume so much content that their perspectives on the world and identity are really unique. So right. I think like having something like formation pop up now is critical for so many reasons, like creating a safe space, shifting culture, like getting younger generations into it and just seeing that like inclusivity becomes a norm in outdoor spaces. Like it's going to be so sick to see that progress. Yeah, I mean, I talk about Gen Z all the time and just like the younger generation and how hyped I am on their entire outlook. Like, yeah, I love I, I love all the girls like I, I really am like, I can't think of anyone who I genuinely dislike, but like Samantha Soriano of of the Gen Z type is just like one of my favorite humans and anyone else from that generation who is involved in the scene and around. I'm just like, you guys just look at the world so much differently. Like it's so refreshing. It is super refreshing. I just want to get to the point where we push out all like the old, <laughs> like all the isms that like ists out of upper like racism, sexism, and like just these privileged white buttholes. I just want to like push them out of positions of power and like push that generation in because we got a little ways to go to get there. But we do. It's just like the world is going to change. I just hope it's not too late, if that makes sense. I hope we can all learn to give a shit before it's too late. Yeah. No, I mean that's a really good point. And then we were getting into like we we I don't even want to get into like the climate situation and I hope that it's not too late and I hope that we can like start to turn things around in that regard I think we will I mean like I, if we don't then the world's over and we're all going to be dead and uh, who cares at that point whatever but I think it's going to change and I think that I get excited about the younger generation coming into power as that happens because people like me that are like sitting in between like I, are you guys uh millennials too is this a chat room full of millennials um yeah i think i so. just the did cutoff? i just did so many reports on this we're millennials renee it's like 80, okay. i'm 29 like, tell me what i am <laughs> yeah, you're a millennial. i think you guys are like the last couple of years of millennials um, yeah we are i'm yeah. there too we're like yeah. almost Gen Z. we almost made it we, we almost made it. it millennials are almost there but we're a little bit different like yeah, we're, no, we're different we're sitting in the in-between and i'm like you know, we get, we, I don't know, we get this like interesting, weird position to sit in between our parents who are like total turds. Sorry, mom and dad. I don't actually mean you guys. Sometimes. It's okay. And then like the younger Jen who are super sick. Um, 
it's going to change no matter what. But I think it actually being a millennial is cool because we get to sit in, the, in between and have the support of the younger generation and what we're trying to do when we're trying to make change and shift culture. Like, I think we have so much momentum right now in mountain biking that like, I honestly think the world is our oyster. Like the culture is shifting. So many more people are getting involved. Um, I'm hyped to be involved and be here and get to like share my perspective because I think it's important. Um, and it's like never been shared before. And like, you guys would be so surprised how many people in my DMs every day are like, I'm just so hyped that you're there and doing this stuff because I'm over here doing this stuff too. And like, dude, cycling is so gay. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Can we just say that one more time <laughs> for the people that don't believe it's a thing? It's like, sorry, boys, cycling is like one of the gayest things ever. And it's gay. You boys. can be here too. It's cool. But just know that we're all out here. They hit me up every day. They're like, yo, gay cycling happened up in UK. Trans cycling happened in Scotland. That's also the UK, actually. But yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere. We're everywhere. And it hypes me up to hear so many like positive stories of people saying it's really cool to see you in the space talking about it and being accepted. And when you're not, still pushing your way through anyway. I think that the industry is in a place right now that is pretty supportive of all of that. And I would like to have more trans people, more queer people outward and the industry talking about it, you know, like there's a big awakening right now. And I think that sport is starting to more accurately reflect its participants, which is cool to see. Yeah, and you've definitely found yourself like probably kind of inadvertently into this role model kind of space, whether you intended to or not, by talking shit on the internet. Yeah, no, I definitely wasn't <laughs> intending to be here. I accidentally but, popped in the door. But you can't be what you can't see. So, I mean, that'd be true. It do be true. It do be. And now and you guys, children's right, acti right activists. <laughs> originally <laughs> yeah no I mean I was just racing bikes and then Katie Holden was like I really like what you're doing over there you want to come over here and I was like I guess so I always told myself I was never going to do the cliff stuff now I'm doing the cliff stuff <laughs> <laughs> and but any regrets on the cliff stuff <laughs> no my knee <laughs> might say otherwise currently but I'm pretty, I don't know. I think for me, like on the, you can't be what you can't see thing. Like when I started taking mountain biking more seriously, I did not see women free riding really like past like Michaela and different girls doing some video stuff. And obviously Vero and uh, there's a lot of girls doing cool stuff, but I like definitely didn't see women like rampaging. It was not in the public eye. And so it was never even a thing for me. I was like, that is not a route I'm going. I'm going to keep racing enduro. And I have a background in film production. That's what I've been doing for like eight years. So it would be sick to at some point in the future, aspire to getting to do content stuff. But like free riding and riding big stuff was never even in my brain until I started seeing it. And 
then Katie asked me if I wanted to come like see it in person. And so I went and dug for Cami. So get her. And that was like when the light bulb went off, I think things really started to like click. I was like, this is actually not as gnarly as I thought, which was like a scary thought too. Cause I'm like, are you really about to like start doing this stuff? <laughs> but after you're there with the right people and with the right amount of time and the right experience, like you just start to tick away at it and it starts to make a lot more sense. And the gnarly factor and like the thing that freaks everyone out, like launching a bike off a 40 foot cliff. Not that I've done that quite like that, but like the gnar factor starts to go away when you start to like understand how to actually make that happen. And so this is all surprising to me, to all of us, I think, I don't know. It's pretty cool though. There is a cultural aspect of that though, because is there? I I think so. Well, I guess so. I think so in the sense of having an all-female group makes that progression possible. I would say so. I mean, like for sure it's one thing to see the boys do it and be like, oh, that's crazy. They're so crazy. And then watch Hannah like go down a scree line that's like holy smokes if you mess up you're toast you are black charred toast if you mess up on this thing that she just did but then she gets to the bottom and she's like okay so this is what that felt like and this is where what I did right there where you saw me do that that's why I did that and then you're like oh really okay and you start to conceptualize it. And I think there is something for sure about watching other women do it that you relate to more, that you can put yourself on that level and be like, well, I'm I'm not Hannah Bergman, but I'm I relate to her much more than I might relate to like Ethan Nell or someone else who is super gnarly. So for sure, I guess that's true. I actually oh, Renee, can I say I have a fact? I have a fact too. Damn it. Okay, I spoke first. So I'm saying my fact first. <laughs> this is our friendship. It's fine. Um, but a really cool, like, kind of crossover of analysis. Like, I found out I'm autistic in whenever. I made a face Instagram post about it. If anybody listening to this hasn't seen it, go look. You can find stuff there. Anyways, the concept of masking is something that, uh, like, every marginalized group experience and it's basically hiding traits of your experience within a specific marginalized identity from like the the majority or the group with privilege so like as an autistic individual i would mask my autistic traits to pretend to be neurotypical so when you look at like um, a female group in a masculine space and the concepts of like trying progression not being quite as good doing gnarlier things like that can all elicit really um almost like unfavorable, unsafe responses from a woman. So it's like showing that you're scared or, you know, like pushing through and trying something more, uh, like masking how you actually feel about a situation that you want to try, but you won't because it's not a safe space to try, if that makes sense. When you're in a male dominated space as like the single token female. Um, but then in like a female space, you're not masking anymore because there's you're surrounded by people that represent you where it's a safe space for you to progress. So naturally, you're unlocking those facets of your brain and your confidence to push through and really exceed expectations. 
So anytime an uh, underrepresented or marginalized group is in a space where they do not belong, there is natural masking that occurs. It's a human phenomenon to try and find somewhere that you fit in if you don't feel safe, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's so cool. And I guess now that you explain it like that, that is totally what formation is. I would say, um, yeah, like one experience that I had there on this note that I thought just was like so relatable and so cool. And one of the moments, honestly, for me, you know, there's like a thousand things that go into conceptualizing writing at that kind of level. Um, and now that you say that, one of the things that went into this whole process that I've been going through for me at Formation, I won't give away her name because I don't know if she would want me to like share this publicly. So I'll just say one of the writers, I was with her um, as on the first ride day. So Formation is set up three ride days or three dig days, a rest day where we just chill for a minute, and then three ride days where you take the time to get all the way through your line and then film it when you get to that point of being able to do that. And on the first ride day, um, this writer that I was with just like, she had just come down a part of her line and she was getting ready to get into this next feature in her line, which was like one of her gnarlier, pretty high risk features. And she wasn't going to ride at that run that she did, but she came down and she stopped and she looked at it, she conceptualized it, and then she got back on her bike. But as she was like starting to get ready to go back up, she just like kind of stopped. And we were talking about like, you know, what she would need to do to like make sure that she can guarantee success into the feature, like make sure that this is here, make sure you break here. I can pack this little thing down and help you make sure that you make this turn the right way so you're lined up correctly. Uh, so we're kind of like communicating and she like paused and just started breaking down, crying. And it was, and I know that she was up against a lot of different things, but one of those things was she did not um, have a chance to really like pause between digging and getting to have to go perform where like it got overwhelming for her to like the thought of having to complete this feature that she built that was like there's a lot of risk there you got to get it right there is no do it wrong like, you got to get that right you have to line up the right way or you're going to mess yourself up on the wall or off the cliff and uh it was just so real for me like lis li listening to her giving her the space to like get the emotions out, not mansplaining her, just like being there with her and listening and being available was like, I'm hopefully that was helpful for her. But watching her go through that experience was so breath, like not breathtaking, uh, like relieving for me that like, I'm scared. I'm scared at having to like, figure out how to do this stuff. And it's so relieving to watch you who I look up to be scared too. And that is for sure the kind of stuff that wouldn't be able to happen if you were surrounded by all the guys and people with cameras saying, let's go. So it was this moment that I was like, only this kind of environment would be the kind of environment where I can relate to you and see where you're at and understand that this is hard and it takes a lot of emotion 
and compartmentalization to get through being successful at this kind of thing. So yeah, I think that formation is doing a lot of things for a lot of us and it was just a really cool moment for me and I hopefully for her too because she gathered herself and she nailed it. She never had any problems on that feature. So obviously whatever she was going through and compartmentalizing worked. That was cool for me to see too. Yeah, I think that is a, a good a good example and a powerful story and experience of how the environment actually did lead to some degree of progression, I guess, because that's something where maybe they would have just not done it or or who knows what the outcome would have been if they didn't have the time and the support to actually process through all of that instead of having just like a, a man up and I mean, with like air quotes kind of attitude about it of like, oh, just get it over with, you can do it. Yeah, which like, I mean, that could have worked too, but yeah, I'm sure that her having the space to feel like okay with letting that process the way that it happened wouldn't have been able to happen as easy had the situation in the surrounding area you know been different 100% like Renee you can probably think of because I know I can think of multiple times where I've been like shitting myself or it's like like literally Literally, actually, I, well, nope. Do I need to say this on the internet right now? Absolutely. I'm not really sure, but okay, I'm going to do it. Um, I've like coincidentally pooped myself multiple times throughout <laughs> my lives. And when I lived in New Zealand, uh, one of my friends gave me a nickname because I like got rather like toot, toot, the devil's lettuce, like a little bit baked one night. And I told them all the times <laughs> that I pooped myself because some of them are really funny. And they gave me a nickname called Turdy Andershits because my name's Tori Anderson and, you know, it's iconic. So why is this so funny to me? You're welcome. Now, oh, you know, these are so good. Turdy. I have myself before. I'm sorry. You know, we, we are united in that experience. All right. There's nothing like realizing you just shit yourself. Do you, do you want to know who has, I think it's, is it? Um, motherfucker, Rachel, Rachel Croft. Is that, do you remember her Renee? Like she was on the, the tour for your tour. Yeah. She has a really funny story about shitting herself at the start gate. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're progressing right now. Look at us. We're united. We got other poo poo pants people on our, on our hands here. Okay. This is a nice safe to feel not alone. <laughs> This is a safe space to talk about that one time you almost needed to get a butter knife to clear out your underwear. <laughs> Poop knife. <laughs> oh, God. We're spreading awareness about people that poop their pants. Oh, man. I've yet to poop my pants while riding, luckily. But if I do, I'll let you guys know. Yeah, I'll sign up for an Iron Man and maybe you will. <laughs> That actually is my my poo poo story. I was running a half marathon once, and I was uh, <laughs> maintaining an incredible pace. Incredible pace in my pants and on the route. <laughs> yeah, I think I got like eleven miles in, and I was like, "There's no way this guy's staying in." <laughs> isn't that that's called runner's trots, isn't it? Yeah, I, I had I had those. Unfortunately, yes. they came out a little bit, but it wasn't too bad. 
I can tell a really story, funny story about my mother. I don't think she's going to enjoy that I'm telling this on the internet, but it's rather funny. But runner's trots is like genetic. She's got them, so do I. One time we were in Mexico um, on a family vacation and my mom went for a run and she gets chronic runner's trots. And she was in just like a rural like family neighborhood and she had to go and there were no toilets around. So she knocked on this family's door and was like, can I please use your bathroom? Like she's like panicking. Like it's like prairie dogging. Like, like she's like. Like on and everything. Did you say that she was uh, she, Well, no, my mom's like okay. a, even a, cool a hardcore triathlete. I think she's done like 25 Ironmans. Whoa. Yeah, super narbar. But she's just out training because training is like her okay. personality at this point. Sorry, mom. I love you. I don't know if you listen to this, but hi. Um, and yeah, <laughs> anyways, she like knocks on this family's door. They don't speak English. She goes in and uses the bathroom and she clogs the toilet. <laughs> and she can't communicate to them that she clogged the toilet. So she oh, just has to leave. Ass. But could you imagine being that family? That's like this freaking panicky white lady just came into my house and clogged my toilet and just fucking left. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I'm pretty sure this podcast is just going to be you making me giggle the whole time. That's okay. You know, I didn't think this is where the conversation was going to go, but we're oh, here now. So here we are. Oh, yeah. Know, mother Renee, you ever shit your pants? Um, no, I came real close once. And yes, I was also running. And <laughs> <laughs> I ended up dropping trout, like right behind someone's backyard, like right at their gate behind a bush. But anyway, <laughs> that's the closest that's I came to picking myself while running. Nice. I, I guess I didn't. Yeah. I didn't no. actually tell my story, did I, of me pooping? The most iconic one was when I was tubing. More than one. Behind a boat. Yes, there's more than one. That's <laughs> why you I'm pull pretty that one under shits. Well, my mom, since she's like in a hardcore athlete, she also like lost her sense of smell in a horse accident, which I think affected her cooking. I feel like I'm just harping on my mother right now, but it's fine. Mom, Somebody will relate. Um, but she like, we weren't really allowed to have like Nutella or like sugary cereals. We drank skim milk. I don't know who likes skim milk, but you have problems. Um, Keep their kids skim milk. Mom. I know. I would literally like hold it in my mouth till it turned to soup. Anyways, we were at Shushwap Lake in Canada, um, like BC area. And we were staying at a friend's place and they had a Costco sized jar of Nutella. And it is the first time I had ever had Nutella in my goddamn little life. And I was like, this shit is the bomb. I was eating it on spoons, my finger, fruit, crackers, like whatever I could get my hands on. And I ate so much, I made myself sick. So they were like, this is like over a full day. And then the next day I was like, my stomach is not okay, but like not really knowing what's happening in my body because my autistic ass has poor interoception. And my parents were like, let's go tubing. And so we went tubing and we were on this thing. It's like a V shape or like a W shape. And you sit in the middle and then it has handles on it. So when my dad's like cranking a donut and oh, kicking up this turns. massive wave and he's like whipping you. And then we like hit the wake and just flew out of the boat. And then the second I hit the water, I shit myself. That's yep. actually also, I would consider that a success story too, because you're good to go. Oh yeah. Huge. Pull it's like, it's an down, aqua dump. I experienced stuff. an accidental aqua dump. Okay. It's like a water birth. <laughs> you did water birth a poo-poo. I water birth a poo-poo. 
poo. And the best part was my dad pulled up beside me and he was like, oh my God. And he just like was like, grab the boat. And so I grabbed the boat and he just went really slow. And I like, saw the water could like just deal with that. And then I got in the boat. So yeah, that's my most iconic pooping story. Jeez, thanks for sharing your poo poo stories, guys. You are so welcome. Thank you for What we call this, this, folks, is solidarity. <laughs> Mine was not solid, but that's okay. <laughs> um, Renee, you're trying to talk and you're definitely muted. <laughs> it's good because then I can't interrupt. Um, I've had the opposite <laughs> experience with water where, um, like, you know, when you're water skiing or tubing and you wipe out or whatever, and you just feel all the water, like, right up your butthole. There's a name for that. Water enema. It's an <laughs> enema. Yep. A non-consensual lake enema. <laughs> anyway, okay. Back to the conversation. I think we got here because we were talking about um, being Shitty. able... To relate oh. to each other yeah i mean my cool fact that i was gonna say was about spatial awareness i know i said it before but i'll say it again because it's really cool and i think it does like have a good biological reason of why things are different for different genders sometimes okay. um and that is that women have oh you know who I, again alex we were talking about this with alex is women have um i'm no, gonna make a correction you said gender you mean sex Yes, I do mean, I, okay. Yes and no, because, hmm. so female, so female sex has no centers in the brain for spatial awareness. Male sex has four. So that's why different types of progression is better for females. Mm -hmm. A good okay. distinction to make. But then there's other studies that show that for trans women, trans men, that the once like with the transition, you the brain actually ends up acting like a cis brain would act. That makes in sense. Those senses. So my yeah, point is, female identifying folks have less centers in their brain for spatial awareness, which is why when you're saying like watching other people do something for folks that don't have the same spatial awareness, seeing someone do it before you do it is actually a really important part of skill progression and skill development, as well as like breaking it down of how you're going to do each thing instead of just like being able to like kind of go out and just do it and muscle through. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, it is a sex thing, but it's also a gender thing at the same yes. time. I remember when we did, when we interviewed Alex, I wonder if people, when they hear us say Alex's name, they yeah. expect us to just say, we love Alex behind it. Cause I feel like we've brought her yeah. up so many times on this she show. She just keeps just coming up, doesn't she? Dream. She does. But it was like episode number two or something. So I think it's kind uh, of just to revisit the facts. Cause I, I don't know if that many people listened to us back then. And yeah. I don't know how many people listen to us now, to be honest. Yeah, like, no, <laughs> we're just out here doing our best talking about when we shit ourselves on the internet. Um, but I remember when we were interviewing her and you brought up that fact, cause it's a freaking banger. And she brought up that there was a study done of neuroimaging comparing like a trans woman's brain to like a cisgender woman's brain. And there were actually like similar, similar overlaps in the, the brain structures, which was interesting. So it's like the trans woman was more um, like 
neurologically similar to like a cis heteronormative woman, which does, which does like continue to build on the fact that it is a like, you know, like it's, it is who you are in a way, like finding out I'm autistic. It's like, my brain is who I am. I cannot remove autism from my identity. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's just there. That's so much better. You didn't create it. It's not 2022 and people are deciding it. It's just the way your brain is. And if you were born in 1892, it's the way your brain would have been then. People were just different societally, culturally. Well, so okay. you were treated different. Another, and, yeah. yeah, another insane fact is that people on the spectrum are six times more likely than neurotypical people to be uh, non-binary or trans. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? And part yes. of that has to do, especially with like being genderqueer, non-binary, um, the, the concept of that has to do with gender as a social construct and autistic people, because of the way right. that our brains are wired, we don't recognize automatically social norms or social constructs. Isn't that interesting? That is so interesting. Yeah. So like if I actually analyze my own gender identity from when I was younger to when I started masking and presenting hyper feminine to help me like fit in and create an identity right. that was accepting, it shifted. A hundred percent. I used to wear boys clothes. I shaved my head for cancer. I was like not attached to the concept of expressing gender identity, but it became an acceptable thing and tool that I use to fit in, but it's not authentic to who I am, which is really interesting. So it just shows that social conditioning leads to gender norms because norms, gender is a social construct. So autistic people naturally don't recognize that. Yeah, that's very You're so pure. We're so pure. We just don't give a fuck. We're out here writing our own rule book because the system is broken. (laughs) It's broken, guys. And we should all be able to do and live how we want to and how we see fit. And if it's this way or that way or up or down, like we should have the freedom to do it. And we shouldn't have to have it be because this guy said we should do this this way. There's no right way. I think also, it's so why do they give a fuck? That's what I want to know. Like who pooped power. in your Cheerios? Power, honey. And then they, yeah. yeah, it's the poop thing too. Someone, some woman pooped in their Cheerios because she couldn't hold it in. She <laughs> couldn't hold it in. She's one of us. No, okay. So I wanna, <laughs> I'm curious about talking more about like the biological pieces of the human race and as it relates to trans people, because like people are so fixated on societal norms. They're so fixated on certain pieces that don't fit the way they want to be, but they don't have a biological, like scientific reasoning for being that way. So like we're talking culture wars, we're talking like all this legislation that's going on in the States and you know, all of, all of the hate and the killing of queer people and anyone who does life differently than normal, I'm air quoting that for you listeners, um, it's, it's all societal and cultural fights. Like none of it has scientific basis. Like if you're talking science, let's talk about those studies. And there's more than one that talk about the similarities of trans women's brains to cis women's brains. And let's also talk about how there is not actually, other than like studies showing certain things that are like, this is interesting. 
there is still not like you can't type in why am I trans <laughs> and have that be a super clear answer so because we don't know every single thing about it like in my opinion people we should be talking a lot more about that in society and giving space for the things that we don't know rather than deciding that this has to be this way and you're not allowed to do this because of xyz that's not actually even scientifically proven that there's like let's talk about sport like there's that there's not an advantage that there's an advantage to being a trans woman over being a cis woman like i compare myself to all the girls for instance and like dude i am low on the totem pole i don't have half the skills they have. I don't have all kinds. I mean, I don't know. Like I'm five foot five. I'm 129 pounds. Like everyone wants to talk about how trans women are only these like large men coming to take over the sports. And like, well, we're just as different as the rest of people, because I don't know if you guys figured this out yet, but we are also people. <laughs> we're humans, which means that none of us are the same so to like clump us in and say trans women have an advantage because of societal norms <laughs> and because they have muscles it's just like not true and no one wants to actually talk about the science that proves that hormone therapy changes things over time and it also statistically if we're looking at science and just straight statistics like the crossover between the size of men and the size of women is like all over the place there's tiny men and there's huge women and i don't know advantages will always be there and it's not just because you're trans i would actually say that there is not a whole lot of advantage like at all i especially for me well Okay, first of all, you're like five foot five, one twenty nine. That means you you are technically a stunt nugget. <laughs> People have said muscle hamster before, so I've never that heard that before, and I love it. Oh my god! One of my I can't coin the phrase. It's a Greg Godfrey phrase, but people call me that too sometimes. Iconic. One of my favorite autistic creators on TikTok was like, I wish you a very merry scooter to the ankles. And I was like, that is the best insult I've ever heard in my life. I'm totally getting sidebarred here. But who I wants a scooter so. to the ankles? Nobody wishing that to no somebody. One. Big fuck you. But anyways, um, I really love that you brought up this concept of like trans people being in sport and having an advantage because there's people that I know that I'm close to who are relatively progressive in their their thought and how they approach these things. But that is the biggest argument and the biggest question that they have. They're like, I support trans people, but I don't think they should compete in gendered sports because they have an advantage. And like decompressing that and analyzing it with them. I've had to like study how to be diplomatic in those situations because I'm For not sure. naturally good at it. Um, but doing that is really hard. And I, people don't understand it because they're still projecting norms without yeah. scientific research or understanding it. It's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, so let's, let's break it down. Cause I'm super into this. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of, there, there are a few aspects of this that I still have yet to this day to hear 
people talk about in on this debate. So let's do it. The world's first. Um, I think that people are leaving a lot on the on the table when they're talking about this debate. No one wants to talk about like, okay, so you look at the studies done, and there are a lot of them. And it's so easy to skew an individual study the direction you want it to go. And so people like there was a study done um, in the someone in the military. I'm sorry that I'm not like perfectly rehearsed. So I'm going to be paraphrasing some things and like saying some hearsays enough for you people to go find it on the internet yourselves and do your, do your research. But there's a study done that was pretty short. I think it was over the course of like one or two years um, in the military and military people who were transitioning and it showed inconclusive data on the 12 month mark of hormones matching you to like the average numbers of a cis woman in terms of like trans women. Um, but it also studied people in the military, a very small amount. I, I think if you look at the details, you can find them um, in the amount of people that they actually studied, but it's a pretty small amount. Um, not all of them in that study made it to like the 12 to 15% decline by a year. And so people that are argue against trans athletes like to use that one and say, well, look, it doesn't actually work for everyone. So you can't say that like this person might still have an advantage or that person. And there is a truth to that. But the study did show that those people that didn't make it to that number by a year did make it just at a different point in time, uh, 18 months to 24 months. And so in recent times, like a lot of the guidelines on trans athletes have changed from like one to two years, full support of that. If that's what people want to do to like hush the critics. But what I'm really getting at here is if you take that study and then you put it on a list with all the other studies, every single study that's been done on the performance decline of trans women does show conclusive research that there is a 12 to 15% decline at a certain point in time. And it's typically before 24 months, but people like to take one or two and say, these both said it wasn't here, which means that you guys have an advantage, but they're not looking at all of the research that's been done and showing that those ones they're using do show it. And so no one's talking about that. I'm just putting it out there to say, there's a decline and most of us get to the point at some point in time of matching, you know, whatever they're using to like show these numbers, bench press, squat, whatever, like we're talking muscle size and muscle power. So that's there. Also, no one's talking about the hormones themselves. Like, so most trans people who are pre-surgery take spironolactone and Women probably know what this is because it's a blood pressure medication and it's also prescribed to help with acne in women, but it's um, an anti-androgen, so it blocks testosterone, so men can't take it, but um, it's prescribed to trans women to block testosterone because it does a damn good job at it. Most all of us are like very under a cis women's level of testosterone. I've been that way for like six or seven years. Um, but side effects of that drug, because it's 
was originally made for blood pressure and we take some of the higher doses of it, like blood circulation and blood pressure for me at the floor, like I've got none of it. It takes me like an hour and a half for an enduro race to even like get to the point where my, my legs feel like they're warmed up and there's blood in them because my blood circulation just does not work. There's just none of it. So that's, in my opinion, like a very large performance challenge compared to a cis chick who's getting the blood to her legs a lot faster because she doesn't have to deal with a blood pressure that's like very low. No one talks about that. And for me personally, it's a major challenge of like getting my body to perform the way that I need it to. So I usually have to like before an enduro, if, if, if the first stage is super long, I'm usually fine. But if it's like a lift access enduro or something like that, I'm, I'm out in the parking lot just fucking doing laps, doing intervals to like get my body to work because it doesn't work. When I go um, split boarding, like I have to be very careful because I have Raynaud's at this point because of all of this. Um, and my blood will just not go to my hands and feet and I'll have to like emergency evac out of the back country to like save my limbs. So, and no one's talking about that guys, you know, here we are I'm sharing it with the world. Yeah. Cause it's also diuretic, uh, which is more yeah, so you're a nurse. I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it, it is a potassium sparing diuretic. <laughs> I have to be careful with the bananas and I'm yeah. peeing at all times. Yeah, it makes you pee a lot, but it all, you'd also have to stay hydrated at the same time. Which is a challenge because you're always peeing, so you're like, I'm going to stop drinking water. Yeah. I would not, my body, I have a hard time recognizing when I have to go pee, period. So like to have to pee all the time would just be, it would be chaos. It'd be absolute chaos. It'd be like running and doing like the pee swivel dance for me to try and find a bathroom. But... I also love that Renee has a totally different perspective on everything to me because she's a nurse and then right. I'm like marketing. So it's like, I feel like, yeah, she just like drops these, like, again, scientific wisdom adds to the argument, which yeah. is sick. I mean, I could like fully go into why your blood pressure is lower, et cetera, et cetera. But nobody needs to know specifically how the cardiovascular system no. works. But they need the to know that that's the challenge that we face. Absolutely. And athletically, that is going to be a challenge because your cardiac output is lower, meaning that when you have increased muscle activity, so increased cardiac demand, you aren't able to meet that demand because you're there. Yeah. Yeah. They also need to know that the current level, like the way that they're looking at this information is literally the perfect fucking example of confirmation bias. What is confirmation bias? Well, let me tell you. It's the tendency to process information by looking for or interpreting information that is consistent with one's existing beliefs. So rather than looking at a comprehensive analysis and diving deeper into how hormone therapy interacts with trans bodies and like as everything that you said, like how you progress with the therapy, if they looked a little bit further down the study, if they actually expanded and looked for insights across multiple studies, they're finding one study that backs up their existing beliefs. And that is such a common thing to see in these different groups that are very conservative in their belief systems. 
like confirmation bias is one of the biggest issues in those groups. For sure. I mean, that's what everyone's doing everywhere if you think about it. And this is a great example of that. And it's applicable here because we're talking about it and I'm on the show. But um, yeah, I mean, like that's happening everywhere. 100%. But it's like, I think like relative to this show and the, the, the people that are listening to this, the biggest argument that I have heard against trans people having equal like participation and everything in outdoor sports is exactly what you said. It's having that advantage. And I think this really unpacks that and is important for them to hear. Yeah. Super I mean, I hope that people are listening because I've yet to hear anyone talk about it. And it's much more cultural debate than scientific debate. And people like, I mean, so there was this phase of my life when I was coming out and transitioning where I kind of like had a big shift in the people around me. And I'm, I'm saying it like that nicely to say like, I lost a lot of friends. Um, and now that it's been like a lot of years, some of those people are coming back around. And since I've been more public in the debate and like existing in the space, like they're coming back and they're having, and they have questions. They're like, yo, how are you? great. Let's talk about the things I don't understand. And they're like asking me questions about like, what is your take on this debate? Like, I want to be supportive now. I've learned a lot. I'm a better person. I think I appreciate what you've had to go through, but I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around trans women as athletes. And I think those are really great conversations, but those are like happening behind the scenes. People are calling me uh, like four people have ever called me. So hopefully this, us talking about this can like give that information to more people because no one's ever talking about it. And it's like a major, major, major hurdle. If you talk about cycling and doping, which are two things that have gone together for a lot of years, like blood doping is the big thing. And they're trying to put more oxygen into their blood so that it can get into their muscles and do cool things for them like taking hormones is the exact opposite of that and it's so much deeper than just testosterone suppression it's everything from like what we're talking about with spironolactone like it there are so many levels of performance disadvantage to that that no one's talking about because they want to talk about how your shoulders are wide and how that means that you are better that doesn't really make any sense, guys. Yeah. And I just have to say, female hormones make me feel real shit sometimes. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I've definitely cried in pretty much every single race I've ever raced, even if I'm doing pretty good. And even on the testosterone point, I, I know that the, even the um, IOC, originally, they were, when they first came out with all of their policies, they were super sticklers on well, this particular testosterone level, yeah, it's all that you have to be below level. it. But even that is starting to change as time moves on slowly. Yeah. But And yeah, they, so they just changed their, uh, the IOC just changed their regulations from specifically a testosterone number to what I'm understanding is that it's more of a case-by-case basis, which we have our thoughts about that. It's a yeah. good thing and maybe a bad thing at certain points in time. But I do think that it's a much better approach because like taking like a blanket statement, like I've been trying to say in this conversation, 
that does not define all of us that might define this person and it's certainly like in my experience is definitely not defining me um and so those are those are two different cases that like hopefully i haven't like looked at it since they changed it um and when i did look at it the day that i looked at it, i think it was a little busy to like read through the entire thing but what it's sounding like is they're going to take it on a case-by-case -case basis and i don't know the details of that hopefully that means that they're going to use science because i think they've been pretty good at like relying on facts and not feelings so i think it's going in a good direction and hopefully this means that like more people are able to participate in sport at a high level if they want to. And it increases representation at that level too. If you can see athletes performing at that level, I mean, we just keep going back to representation just in general, but <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, like, yeah, let's jump on that. High level sports, high level Anything. sports, brands, all of that. Yeah. like. Aside from being an athlete, like before I was this person, I was just a wayward little soul looking for people to look up to. And I didn't have anyone because you guys have seen the documentary. I think it's on Netflix, Disclosure. Um, they talk all about trans representation um, in popular culture up to, you know, from the 80s, 90s up until whenever it came out. I can't remember. Um, but I mean, yeah, that's the era that I grew up in. That's the era that we all grew up in. And, you know, horrendous what you'd have to like search through on the internet just to find information about like what you felt like as a kid you were struggling through. And dude, that's a major issue. The suicide rates of trans people is like still 40%. Um, that's ridiculous. And so back to that dude who's like, what does gayness have to do with skiing? Well, it has everything to do with everything, because if we don't have someone to look up to and someone to see who's like us, you know, the chances of us living is not actually very high if we're taking it to that level because the world doesn't want us to. And so being able to see someone like me or Gus Kenworthy or just anyone who's different, neurodivergent, anything is so, so, so valuable for all those people who are like looking for something, looking for someone to look up to and like trying to find a place in the world. Yeah, we are going to have to wrap up soon. Yes. Any But that final... was so good. I was like, I don't know. stop talking. <laughs> Oh, no. no thanks for having me on guys this has been cool hopefully no. this is like useful and not i don't know no absolutely i literally like renee and i send each other like text messages where we're like i'll be like okay i'll shut up now you can talk or i'm like okay we're like we need to cut this off soon even though i just sent her a message that was like this is such a good conversation but we have to stop soon unfortunately okay. but yeah I think everything that you said is really powerful and it speaks to the fact that the internal experience is often affected by the external experience like heavily and For it's sure. like seeing that you belong that you are meant to be somewhere there's a huge difference between fitting in and belonging belonging is 
feeling free to exist as you are without judgment and unconditionally feeling acceptance. It's showing up and recognizing that you should be there. Fitting in is tailoring who you are to reduce the amount of trauma that you experience. It's changing who you are, presenting a certain way because of what's normative. And to hold people to that is really harmful. And a lot of people who have privilege in a society like ours don't recognize what that experience is like. So yeah, yeah. So. I really hope people recognize that. And we're all just people at the end of the day. You can't put recognizing unique experiences is super important, but at the same time, we are still all people. Yeah. I mean, I hope that things like this being more available to the world gives more people more opportunities to relate and see that like, dude, trans people are pretty freaking normal. You know, we like to ride bikes. We like to snowboard. Like we're normal people with valuable things to contribute to these industries aside from our transness, aside from any piece of our identities that make us us. Like we're all normal people and we all want to get along. And I'm just hyped to be able to be here in the mountain bike space and be seeing that there is a place for me here, which means that there's a place for the rest of us. And there are way more people in this space that are super hyped to have us here and be supportive and give us money to be able to exist here and not have to like leave to go get a job. Like it feels really cool to be in this place now with the whole free ride movement and with the industry as a whole, that's like, finally, we've got attention. Finally, we've got some support and the floodgates need to just open. Let's go. Let's go. Hell yeah. I think I have a quote off of Pink Bike about that. Let me just pull it up quick. Um, whip that up. I also yeah. just- Rebecca Rush, simply invite and include. Women only need the door cracked open a tiny bit and then we'll kick it down. But you have to open and unlock the door first. Yes. That Let's door is not only unlocked, but it is open. We busted it. It's <laughs> open right now and it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. So many girls like cluing in and, and getting excited about like that there's actually a place for them to try and progress and get better. Like for me personally, it was never even an option until I saw that it was. And then I was like, okay. Uh I never thought about bar spinning, but or 360s, but now I'm popping those into the foam pit now and trying to like progress to a point of being able to like take those to dirt and do something with that so it's all because that door is cracked open and now we can see each other doing it and we're like let's go this is cool we're just a bunch of peeping toms being like yo shit's green over there let's go you guys are doing that let me give that a bit of a go oh yeah like when i see renee (laughs) hit something when we're skiing together i'm like shit that's pretty dope it's like no it's so cool yeah i never (laughs) thought about doing that and I just watched you do that and got hyped. And now, and then I just did it. And now I'm like, whoa, that was so cool. So much easier and less scary than I thought. And now I'm going to share it without information with you. And then, oh my gosh, you've done it too. And now three of us have done it. Fucking <laughs> cool. right. Hell women yeah. Supporting women is some hot girl shit. Okay. Hot girl shit. Yeah, man, there's so many things I still want to talk about. I know. I was just oh, thinking I might have to do, I think we need to do like a part two to this 120% because I literally have a full list of like 
things that I think we need to unpack further to break down these stigmas. And then I just want to like push this so aggressively into like the public's mouth and be like, eat it, absorb it, it. <laughs> learn from your flaws and evolve you pieces of trash. I'm just kidding. You guys are great, but I just don't want, why is the world the way that it is? Yeah, no, it's a weird place we live in, but it's coming around and I would love to do a part two because there's so many things that I'm like, mm, get there. We didn't even get to talk shit on people yet. We yeah. just make we just a list. Rushed. We'll book another time. <laughs> Let's go. Talk to you guys we tomorrow. Just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> back to back. Let's go. It's a. Uh, I was like, we just brushed the tip. You know, yeah. it's a quantifiable amount. It's like the surface of these concepts, and I want to see this shit just like obliterated in the outdoor extreme source space. Yeah. So yeah. I'm so hyped you guys are doing this, and you're giving people like me the space to talk about it and share it with a greater audience. So. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Can't wait to come back. Fucking right. We're really grateful that you wanted to come on the show, first of all, and that you trusted us to like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of I fun. Mean, you just hit it with like no questions or like previous conversation. Just jump in and see where it goes. This is where it went. Man, yeah. we went to We talked about poop. Yep. <laughs> you all pooped yep. your pants. <laughs> oh, any <laughs> final shout outs? sponsors plugs where people can find you etc yeah uh you can find me on instagram mostly i'm hans blakeson <laughs> it's my name all mixed up um you know for sure so many plugs i've definitely not done this alone in fact it's like way more other people than even me i'm just like holy shit you guys want me to come with you this is so cool i'm like here <laughs> but so many mentors katie holden she's like really the icing on top of the cake that really like changed the trajectory of where I was going. Michelle Parker, because we're talking about skiing here, I guess has been such a sick mentor for me. Like I don't know where I would be in my career and talking about biz without her and so many other people, man, I could just keep going. So I'll just say thank you guys for having me on the show. Thanks to all those people for supporting me my sponsors like specialized has been so huge for me like I would not be able to be here without them and I got a bunch of new sponsors this year too so I'm hyped to start doing more things with all of them so hyped and you're not gonna be done hearing from me for a while hell yeah sick puppies say it louder for the people at the back sick puppies sick puppies i don't even know what that means but i heard someone say it one time so here we are <laughs> i can hear my sick puppies upstairs being so sick i'm ready to go see them <gasps> oh actually it came from a reel somebody was like it was a dog on a skateboard and it was like me taking my dog to the vet because he's freaking sick oh yeah i've seen that one checks out that one's Anyways, been popping around my personality is just the internet it's fine um <laughs> <laughs> yes Thank you so much for coming on, Blake. This was freaking sick. And Welcome. we're very stoked to have you on for part two. Thank you guys both so much. <laughs>